Theater performer Mike Daisy apologized this weekend for fabricating details of his one-man play. The Agony and the Ecstasy of Steve Jobs focuses on the poor conditions for workers who make Apple products in China. Daisy admitted making up details he previously said he'd witnessed firsthand. Turns out he didn't spend much time with Chinese workers. Leslie T. Chang did. She says she spent two years interviewing workers for her book, Factory Girls, From Village to City in a Changing China. And Chang thinks Westerners who feel guilty about buying the electronics these Chinese workers assemble are missing the point. When we Americans think about Chinese factory workers, we think two things. One, they have really miserable lives. And two, we are responsible for their miserable lives because we want iPads and iPods and Nikes and Levi's and all these nice brands at reasonable prices. And what I found through getting to know factory workers in two years of reporting was that their concerns are very different. They don't really care that they're making something that's going to be sold across the world for hundreds of dollars or that someone much wealthier than them is going to buy or, you know, they're, they're really focused on their own personal experiences and their own motivations and their own dreams. These are young women and men who come out from rural Chinese villages. They've come to the big city as teenagers, you know, late teens, early 20s to work in large factories and conditions that might seem really horrible to us to them are certainly not great, but also not worth commenting about. For them, it's exciting to be in the city It's wonderful to earn money for the first time, and that completely changes how they see themselves. They start challenging their parents often. They think, I don't want to get married so young. I want to work and save some money and improve myself. So in short, from moving from the village to the city turns them into different people. Put a face to one of these factory girls. You stayed in pretty close touch with many uh, many of the girls you met there. One of them is uh, Lu Qingmin. She started on an assembly line of an electronics plant. What happened to her? When I first met her, she had spent a year working in a very, very bad electronics factory for 400 yuan, which is about $50 a month, um, which even in Dongguan at that time was very, very low. But over the course of two years, she jumped factories probably five or six times. She talked her way off the assembly line into kind of low-level clerical work. And from there, she moved up into human resources and into purchasing. She managed to save enough money to buy her parents an apartment in the city She married and had two daughters, and she and her husband bought a car, and her husband is now doing deliveries, a small-scale delivery business. And she recently moved back to Dongguan to get another purchasing job, and she's now thinking about the future and saving money for her daughters and her family. So, you know, this is eight years in the life of a young woman who even now is only 24 years old, packed with incident and change and transformation and social mobility. And I don't think Min is that unusual in her background and in her trajectory. She is one of many, many millions, tens of millions of young women who go through these changes after they go to the city to work. And did she uh, experience any of the bad uh, working conditions? As you say, most Americans would see some of them as a step up from prison life, 10 or 15 workers to a room, 50 people sharing one bathroom, days and nights ruled by the factory clock. She didn't complain about anything like that? She saw all those things. When I met her, the job she just left was she was working 13 or 14 hours a day. She never had a day off, never. The last day she'd had off was maybe two months before when the factory lost power for one day and everyone, yippee, got a day off, you know. She was living, I think, maybe 20 people to a room. She said the food in the canteen was terrible. There was never any meat. The rice had worms in it. It was just horrible, horrible, horrible. And it's not that she didn't complain, but that 
it wasn't a reason for her to make a decision one way or the other. You know, if, when she thought about what she wanted to do, it was where can I get a better salary and where can I learn some skills so I can move off the assembly line and do something different and better. Now, the New York Times reporters on this beat have gone to some lengths to distinguish between harsh working conditions and life-threatening conditions, incidents, for, for instance, at Apple factories involving explosions caused by dust that killed workers. I mean, these sorts of life-threatening conditions that involve gross negligence can't be excused, can they? Of course not. Of course not. There are certainly places that are dangerous, that are life-threatening, and they must be redressed. And what my point is, is that in most cases... These are not the conditions that your average workers are dealing with. And, you know, they are not victims. The workers choose to leave the countryside to go to the city. They choose to work in a certain factory. If they don't like the factory, it's true, they can't organize a union. They can't sue their boss. Certainly the system is stacked against them. But their choice is to leave to a better factory. And over time, the really bad factories don't have workers and they have to improve conditions or they go out of business. So it isn't about you. You know, it isn't about you and your purchases and your guilt. There's something happening in China, which is a massive transformation. Millions, hundreds of millions of people are leaving the countryside for the city. This is larger than the number of people who came from Europe to America over a century. The changes that they're going through are immense and personal, and let's just give them their due that they're choosing to go through these lives and not just think it's about us and our iPads. Leslie T. Chang, a longtime China correspondent and a contributor to The New Yorker. Thank you very much, Leslie. Thank you.